You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hey, David. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. And I'm very glad that you're here. Thank you. I think this is somewhat of a continuation of one of our more recent shows when we were talking about some of the health effects, particularly around alcohol, in the differences between men and women and how some drugs them differently and need treatment, um, not medical treatment necessarily, but they need uh, their addiction treatment strategies a little bit different. But out of that, I think, came this desire that maybe we look a little bit more at some of the consequences of drug use in general, and by that I mean misuse of prescription medications, um, taking prescriptions that aren't yours, drinking alcohol, using other illicit substances, um, misusing over-the-counter products. There's all kinds of ways that people can have some medical consequences with or without the disease of addiction. So I thought we'd focus a little bit on that. I, I, I think it's a great idea. It's actually come up a couple times this week in ways that were surprising for me, um, and the other part that really grabbed me was that there's been so much talk this week be- because of the coronavirus about health Correct. that I was, I was thinking about what to talk about this week in terms of health issues. Um, um, so a side note, when I first entered the field and I was first working at a psychiatric hospital, mm-hmm. we always had to go do universal precautions and all of these other trainings that you'd had to do every year. Every year. One of them was on hand washing. Right. Um, and so what we were taught back then was plenty of soap and hot water and and rigorously rub your hands to the tune of row, row, row your boat twice. Um, and I was kind of curious about other songs or other things that people did but basically for 20 seconds and it's really the vigorous rubbering that's the part that's so important but I figured we should throw that out there in terms of helping save our world that washing hands isn't just quickly going under the cold water and leaving but rigorously rubbing for 20 seconds or longer. Correct. Well, the song I learned was Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday? Yes. Happy Birthday sung twice was sufficient, just like Row, Row, Row Your Boat, sung twice, is sufficient. So whichever lyrics and tune are more in your range or more to your liking, uh, please feel free to do that. But I think that's a really important thing to know. One of the other things we know is that the hand sanitizers can cause some difficulties for patients who have the disease of addiction. Now, there are alcohol-free hand sanitizers. Unfortunately, we're not sure that they can kill the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So, to be absolutely safe, you probably need to use hand sanitizers with alcohol. 
But there are some things that you can do if you have the disease of addiction, if you are in monitoring either as a healthcare provider with your licensing board or you're on probation or you have some other reason that you're being drug tested. Um, there are some precautions you can take. So the problem isn't the alcohol being absorbed through your skin, okay. as we initially thought. There were some really interesting studies done at um, the University of Minnesota, I believe, that was looking at what, where are they getting the alcohol. And this was mostly in healthcare providers, nurses, doctors, other people working in the hospitals where they're using the hand sanitizers sometimes multiple times an hour. Uh, every time they go in and out of a patient's room or every time they're um, uh, getting ready to do a procedure or whatever. So a lot of these folks were showing positive drug screens and breathalyzers for alcohol. And this caused some real problems because they're not supposed to be using alcohol regardless of what their their dopamine releaser of choice is. Uh-huh. So they did these interesting studies looking to see, well, is it absorption through the skin? If so, how much? Um, various ways. Long story short, what they discovered was that it's actually the inhaled alcohol. If you think about it, and I want all of our listeners to imagine what they do when they're using hand sanitizers. So you put it on your hands, mm-hmm. and then you immediately put your hands right up under your nose. And breathe in. And breathe in. I don't know why. <laughs> Everybody does that. That's not how we were taught. It's not like the row, row, row your boat thing. But that's just the thing that people do. And so it's... What they discovered is that it is the inhaled alcohol that is the problem. So if you are going to have to use alcohol-based hand sanitizer, there's a couple of things that you can do to minimize that um, potential problem. One would be keep your hands away from your face. Don't snort your hand sanitizer. Don't snort your hand sanitizer. Turn your head maybe to the left, put your arms down to your side on the right side and, and rub them in that way so that you're not inhaling the hand sanitizer, not standing next to somebody who's got their hands up by their face rubbing the hand sanitizer. I mean, seriously, look at how people do that. That's exactly how most people Yeah, as you were describing it, I absolutely could see myself taking a sniff, (laughs) seeing how much like alcohol this particular brand smells like. So you need to be really careful, and that's something that uh, we need to be more and more aware of. Also, your hand sanitizers can expire. Okay. So many of them will have an expiration date, and in fact, I was just checking out some at... um, an office that I was at, and they all expired in November of 2019. So you need to check your dates for that, and you need to be very careful about touching your face, coughing into your shoulders, one or into the crook of your arm. And one of the things that we're doing um, at Atlanta Healing Center that may be somewhat controversial, but it's a decision we made. Most of the time at the end of a group or an AA meeting, people 
form a circle, grab hands, and then may say the third step prayer, may say the serenity prayer. There's some ritual around how they end the meetings. We're asking people to touch elbows, um, hold their own hands, do something, but probably not hold their partner's hand. Yeah, so so in our group, the night that you made the announcement, we did a hug. And uh-huh. so we had our hands on each other's back, mm-hmm. which worked too because we had no actual skin-to-skin contact. Correct. <laughs> so just be mindful and thoughtful. Um, the doorknobs are particularly difficult. Going in and out of businesses, using your arms, using the paper towels, all the things that we know are the ways that we can best take care of ourselves and keeping our immune system healthy and um, and being careful. And that when we look at some of the illnesses associated with addiction, infectious diseases are right up there at the top of the list of having some of the highest morbidity and mortality. Some of the reason that people with addiction or who have been using substances are more at risk is sometimes their immune system has been suppressed by the actual substances they're using, by their lifestyle, they're not eating well, they're not sleeping well. And um, if they are engaged in sharing needles, mm-hmm. if they're engaged in, um, you know, IV drug use, if they are engaged in unprotected sex, very often this increases their risks of HIV, hepatitis, other kinds of very significant illnesses, but it also can increase their risk of coronavirus or colds or pneumonia or just the regular flu, which is pretty virulent this year as well. So that's one of the things that we need to be really cognizant of and making sure that people think about that and protect themselves. Often when you come into an addiction treatment center, there's a series of questions. It's on our nursing assessment where we're assessing for risks of things like tuberculosis, um, sexually transmitted diseases, hepatitis, HIV, and we'll ask the patients Do you fit in any of these categories? Mm -hmm. Are there reasons that we need to be getting these kinds of tests for you to make sure that that you are healthy? But addiction can be a high risk for infection, and that's something we need to be real conscious of. Um, Not only that, but the, the other piece of that is when people have respiratory illnesses or they have other types of infections, they're also at a high risk for relapse because they're apt to go see a doctor and the doctor is going to want to help them in as quick a way as possible. And so it's real likely they're going to walk out with some sort of prescription um, that even though it might not have been your drug of choice, it still has the potential to activate the addiction center. Right. Um, Some high-octane cough syrup that has codeine or hydrocodone in. mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of times I've heard nowadays where they will see a doctor and the doctor will recommend CBD oil, is it blows my mind how quickly that has, has jumped on. So CBD oil and all of our tests test positive for THC, but it also lowers your resistance for other things. Correct. 
one of the other side of this, and I um, actually had this conversation with a patient very recently, is they were not feeling well physically. They felt like they were coming down with the flu. They ate, their headache was there, they felt sleepy, and that reminded them of what withdrawal felt like. Mm -hmm. And their immediate thought was, I'm in withdrawal, I need to use. And so sometimes just feeling sick, even if you're not sick enough to need to go to the doctor and get prescriptions that might be harmful to you, it's the the body remembers. It remembers those feelings of how awful, and it can trigger a craving for them, even though they know I'm not in withdrawal. I've got the... Haven't used in months and months and months or years and years and years. Or I'm on medication, medication-assisted recovery, um, but still it's that feeling that then generates for this person the thought. And hopefully they're feeling well enough to resist the thought and they're keeping up with their recovery, but it's still And a they risk. have enough connections in their life and, and relationships in their life that they're able to let the thought go as quickly as it comes. Or talk about it and tell somebody tell on the disease. So the other thing that really struck me is interesting, and I'll share it with you when we come back. <laughs> we'll be right back. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, Every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addition. Addiction. This is America's Web Radio, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank. Today, David Donaldson and I are talking about some of the consequences, more on the medical side, of having the disease of addiction. And um, we've been talking not just about addiction, but also, in general, ways in which people can get into trouble medically by using over-the-counter medicines, by using prescription medicines, by borrowing somebody else's medicines. And you were just sharing an, an interesting thought with me before, during the break. Um, so what I had an interesting conversation with a physician recently. Um, and I was talking to him about how there's many, many people who will take Advil, right. um, ibuprofen, on a regular basis for aches and pains, maybe athletes, they might do it before their workout or something, and then they begin to develop gastric issues because it will cause gastric issues. Right. or bleeding. Or bleeding. Mm-hmm. And so they, they'll switch from that to Tylenol. And what he was telling me was that, you know, the recommended daily dose for Tylenol is for when you're having some sort of situation going on, but not as a regular everyday kind of thing, and that Tylenol will begin to build up in your system and can cause significant liver issues. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that I don't think many people think about, that medications have an impact on your body if you're taking them as prescribed, if you're taking them for whatever reason. It's having positive effects, but there's also negative effects that negative effects that, that people need to be mindful of. Um, he was telling me about people who got in some serious medical issues liver-wise because of taking daily Tylenol because Tylenol is not actually meant to be a daily medication, period. (laughs) Correct. And uh, they've actually lowered the recommended dose of Tylenol. used to be much higher, 3,000, 4,000 milligrams a day. They've now lowered that. And um, to your point, because people were taking way more than they should, and they were taking it very frequently and taking it every day, many people do not realize that one of the ways um, some people end up in trouble with a suicide attempt, often a teenager will think, I'm mad at my parents or I'm mad at my boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm just going to take a bottle of Tylenol thinking it's over the counter, I can go buy it, there's no age limit, mom gave it to me when I was little, when I had a fever, there's no problem with It's a legal medication. And so I'm going to make this gesture, and I truly believe some of them may be suicidal, Mm -hmm. but some of them it's a gesture. It's a cry for help, or it's a I'm mad at you, and I want to get back at you, um... They take the Tylenol not realizing the significant damage to their liver. And in fact, it's one of, there's several over-the-counter medications that are deadly in an overdose, will kill you, will actually destroy your liver, you'll go into liver failure and die. Mm -hmm. People do not realize how scary that is and that we need to be mindful not just of our prescription medications, but over-the-counter medicines, too, that using them too much or using them inappropriately or taking someone else's, 
you, you, if it's not prescribed for you and a doctor ha isn't following you for it, you probably better be careful unless you're just using it really episodically because, you know, I hurt my back or I, you know, wrenched my knee and I haven't broken anything. I can still walk, but it hurts. And so for a day or two, I'm going to take this. And if you're, for some reason, you're taking Tylenol or Aspen or something on a daily basis and, and you don't know what the reason is, that's a reason to call your doctor and schedule an appointment. Because there's some reason going on that you need to, to figure out that, that you keep medicating that. Correct. So there are um, a number of other ways that people get into trouble when they're active, um, actively using substances or misusing substances, uh, including alcohol. Um, and one of them is accidents. Under the influence, anybody, whether you have the disease of addiction or not, can have your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain right behind your forehead, that is responsible for making good judgments and weighing and balancing decisions, setting goals, all of those kinds of things. That goes offline mm -hmm. when you're under the influence, even if you don't have the disease of addiction. And you may not have your full faculties about you. Your balance may be off, your reaction time off. So we see a lot of people having injuries um, related to falls, car accidents, getting into fights because your prefrontal cortex is offline and you're saying and doing things that in your right mind you might not and somebody might punch you in the face. So, <laughs> And you might have that, that aspect of you that thinks suddenly that you're Superman and you can take anybody and you can take everybody and pick the fight that you should not be picking. So we see a lot of people, again, not necessarily people with addiction, but a lot of people having injuries and, and serious problems happening related to the fact that they've, um, they're under the influence and they're either not so coordinated, they're making a bad judgment call and going to try and drive when they have no business driving, mm -hmm. or other, other ways they just trip and fall. But, and, and, so there's there's the accidents that happen because your your cognitive brain is not turned on, but then there's also accidents that happen because your perception of reality becomes altered. That you might think that you look down around the corner and that car is actually a long ways away, and it's really not. Or that you have a lot more time to be able to make this decision than you actually have. Especially, you know, people talk about marijuana as being a pretty harmless drug, but Part of why people use marijuana is to change your perception. It is yeah, at its at core a hallucinogenic, and mm -hmm. it changes perception of time, of colors, of sounds, and you might truly be enjoying the sound of a song on your radio and not realize there's a truck coming at you. Right, and not paying attention. The other thing that happens um, is people often are not paying good attention to their self-care, their daily routines, and their hygiene. I remember being at uh, one of the first residential treatment centers um, that I've worked at and noticing that of our referrals that we needed to make for our patients outside of the treatment center, our biggest need was for dentists. 
that many times people had neglected their dental hygiene, had neglected going to the dentist, and now that they were not being so medicated or mm-hmm. um, so unaware of that they were actually in pain, now they have tooth decay, they have abscesses, they have broken teeth, they have all kinds of problems because they have neglected that. Seen other people... So neglected because they're not brushing their teeth and mm-hmm. gargling and, and um, flossing, but they're also medically having um, issues in terms of the absorbing calcium. They're having issues related to grinding. Correct. Especially a, a lot of people who might be on Adderall or might be on Ritalin or an amphetamine um, initially prescribed to help them focus in school, but... but you know, if you take a little bit extra because you've got that addicted mindset, it's going to continue to escalate the potential of addiction. And part of what happens when people are amphetamines is they start to grind their teeth. Mm-hmm. And it's it's certainly increased the business at dentist offices right. quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I remember a number of patients that we've had to make arrangements to get, for them to get dental care once they start getting clean. And it's um, and it is truly painful, and they're you know they they have done some damage if they are smoking their drug of choice, their dopamine relief releaser of choice, um, particularly if it's crack or methamphetamine, some of these that have very caustic chemicals that when they are um, aerosolized or when they're heated become very destructive to the enamel of the teeth mm-hmm. and can create uh, I know there were pictures uh, a few years ago of meth mouth mm-hmm. uh, people who were using methamphetamine who had been smoking methamphetamine and um, just horrific rapid decay and um, damage to their teeth so it's a it's a really big deal and most of them are also not keeping up with their six-month checkups and their um, you know their yearly x-rays of their teeth they're not taking care of that in the same way they're not taking care of other medical problems and we see very frequently they stop taking important medications for their diabetes or their hypertension we also see them stop taking medications for managing their mood sometimes they're antidepressants or Mm -hmm. stabilizers but and if something has crossed into addiction part of what that means is that their perception is that this chemical is more important than any other chemical. And if they only have $20 to spare, it's going to go for this chemical over buying toothbrush or toothpaste or going and seeing a doctor who's going to give them Prozac. And and that takes forever to change your mood. Yeah. So we see that this lack of self-care, poor diet, um, Radical changes sometimes in sleep schedules and then difficulty either when they're so high or when they're in withdrawal with being able to manage their sleep-wake cycles and their feeding cycles. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the consequences of drug use. So please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. 
Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. And today in studio with me is David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. And we've been talking about some of the medical effects of misusing, overusing, or having addiction to drugs or alcohol. And we've kind of been all over the place, but um, we know that with certain substances, there are direct medical effects associated with them, that they're, um, we're much more likely to see things like cancer associated with the use of nicotine. Mm-hmm. for example, and, and cigarettes. So that's one of the more predictable potential consequences that you can see when or and need to look for when someone has been using nicotine, particularly for a long period of time. But you were mentioning some interesting studies that have been done in the United Kingdom. Well, this one grabbed my attention in particular. Um, it was looking at all of the amazing health benefits that happen in a very, very short time when a person switches from um, smoking tobacco to vaping. Um, and it, it was came out in 2005, and it looked at cardiovascular health and, and just every different body system improved almost magically instantly when people switched from smoking to vaping. But then it also reminded me of another article, another study that had come out in 
um, I want to say 2015, 2016, so like 10, like 10 years later, that pretty much showed if you start vaping within a certain amount of time, you're back to using regular cigarettes. Um, and it basically talked about the cost of vaping and the ease of, of regular cigarettes mm-hmm. and that when you increase your nicotine dependence um, in terms of the amount that you need from vaping, that it gets to a point where the, the easier cost per, cost effective thing is to switch back to cigarettes. And you generally <clears throat> switch back to a higher number of cigarettes than you did before. So all of those medical complications that we've always talked about with, with cigarettes come right back full come force. rushing back. It's really interesting because... Um, our position paper isn't uh, is in its final stages, and hopefully we'll have it ready to pre- present to the American Society of Addiction Medicine Board. But I've been working with the group on uh, e-cigarettes and the position paper for ASAM for um, an, uh, as an update, and we removed those. Um, Articles as references that talked about the United Kingdom and talked about the potential benefit of vaping because they are not applicable to the United States. In the United Kingdom, they have very tight regulations on the vaping equipment, the vaping juice, what can be in it, the amounts of nicotine, and, um, and the availability. So it is very tightly regulated, and when they're comparing apples, they're comparing them to other apples. Mm-hmm. Now, here in the U.S., it's the wild, wild west, and mm-hmm. we've been asking the, the FDA to get involved and start regulating and do some health and safety work around this. Um, it's supposed to be happening, hasn't done so yet. Mm-hmm. So we can't... We can't use those United Kingdom articles because they don't apply. We don't have any apples to compare to their apples. Since we don't know what's in the juices, always we don't know the amounts of nicotine. We don't know um, which um, delivery system is going to be more or less risky than any other. But we do know that most people, like you say, go back to smoking or smoke in addition and that they use more cigarettes than before. Vape, vape, people who do switch to vaping recognize that their um, their dependency on the on the nicotine itself is increasing rapidly, and, and generally they can tell you that. And and so when they do switch back to smoking, they've certainly increased their intake, which is so um, so risky because it does increase the risk of all those long term health consequences and now we have the more immediate consequences of the lung damage mm-hmm. um, related uh, potentially to vaping in young people so not not a really good choice we do have seven medications that are FDA approved some of them are over the counter for the treatment of nicotine addiction and we would recommend that you use those. And if you need help, please contact your doctor or um, go to the NIDA or the NIH, National Institute of Health website, for some really good 
uh, background, the American Cancer Society, the American Lung Society, the American College of Chest Physicians, all of these websites have very good tools and information to help you stop smoking. Or you can call the Atlanta Healing Center. I was waiting for that last little part. (laughs) So other direct effects of the substance use, um, going back to amphetamines, as we were talking about earlier, part of what we know is that amphetamines impact the absorption of calcium into the bones. And so it's not uncommon when somebody's clean, not only do they have dental problems, but they'll have um, back issues, they'll have spinal issues, they'll have um, a lot of aches and pains that they don't expect um, because they really have had some degenerative issues as a result of the abuse of um, amphetamine products. People who uh, misuse and abuse benzodiazepine products, Ativan, Xanax, Valium, um, they have a a good number of mental health issues Mm -hmm. that come as a result of of not only the risk of seizures, um, but they have a lot of uh, impact on their ability to store memories, um, their their brain's ability to process memories. Um, And their anxiety. And their anxiety. They often have the anxiety that they may have started with, their genetically inherited form of anxiety or their stress-induced anxiety. That was the, the impetus for them to go and get started on some of these medications, either through the doctor or borrowing from grandma's purse or a friend. Um, but the nature of these medications is that you have to keep taking more and more of them to get the same result. Um, You also need to sometimes take them more and more frequently. And you begin to see that you are having rebound anxiety and anxiety from withdrawal Mm -hmm. on top of your anxiety that you started with. And in fact, for some of these folks, if it was stress-induced anxiety and the stressful situation has gone away or they've learned to cope with stress a little bit better, they don't even have that anxiety anymore, but they've got the anxiety now, which is a side effect of either the medication itself or the withdrawal from the medicine. So it just becomes this hamster wheel that you have to keep running faster and faster and taking more and more of, and you are having less and less success managing the anxiety. Which I I like to point out, the brain is an organ in our body, and so the anxiety that you're having at that point is another physical symptom of the disease of addiction. People like to dismiss anxiety as just coping Right, or a, a feeling, Just bad feeling. a feeling, but it's, it's part of the, the impact of your brain's chemicals being able to process what's mm-hmm. either from, from no longer making the dopamine or no longer making the chemicals necessary to self-soothe or just having shut off the process because you're doing it for them. And often prescription medications, even taken um, – as prescribed, and even ones that aren't addictive can cause problems with depletion of important um, 
vitamins, minerals, cofactors in your body. The most classic one is when people get started on medications like Lipitor for high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. That particular medication depletes something called CoQ10. Now, there's advertisements all the time that you can hear on TV and um, radio about CoQ10 and why it's important, but for many years, they didn't understand that, and people would start taking um, that medication, a statin, to lower their cholesterol and suddenly start having tremendous pain in their muscles, sometimes pain significant enough that they were having trouble walking and no one could figure it out. They would stop the, uh, the, the medication. It would go away. They'd restart it. It's back. So now a very common thing that a cardiologist will do is if you're going to start on this, they will tell you, you need to take this particular supplement. So Medications may be causing depletions of our B vitamins or other kinds of um, cofactors like CoQ10 that can cause other kinds of problems. So, yes, sometimes the risk is worth um, the benefit for sure, but being aware of some of these impacts, again, not just because you have addiction, it may be just because you're taking the medicine that the doctor gave you. Um, and part of what's interesting to me is that people are really bad at recognizing when they're having side effects from a medication. Right. Even if in their loved ones, they will begin. Rec- they'll begin having some of these medications will cause loved ones to have mood swings or to be irritable or to be more demanding, um, and will have psychiatric effects. Right. But you won't necessarily recognize those, and you'll end up having marital issues that are fixed just by stopping that medicine. Right. Um, Alcohol, a prime example. Um, Many people find it helpful for their anxiety initially or to elevate their mood, but because it's a central nervous system depressant, uh, in the long run, they're going to get depressed. Hmm. Uh, We know that... People will use cocaine or methamphetamine because it really ratchets up their mood pretty high, pretty fast, but then they've used up all their neurotransmitters and they come crashing down, and people who never had a history of depression even before now become suicidal. So there is this direct effect on the mood, too, as a result of the substance that the person is using. It seems to me that there's issues related to antihistamines, not necessarily thought of as addictive drugs, but still can create problems for people with addiction. And we know that some of the antihistamines in particular, those that are very sedating, that make a person feel really tired and have a sudden onset of action. Now, if you're having an allergic reaction to something and you've broken out in a rash and you need to take some Benadryl, by all means, please take Benadryl. But Benadryl is really notorious for becoming something that a person with a disease of addiction abuses or that it reminds them of the substance they really like because it has this very quick onset of a sedating feeling. Mm-hmm. And then they that reminds them of when they used to use thus and such drug. And so their brain begins to crave and... Jones for the other substance. Correct. And then we have a relapse. So 
people in recovery have to be really careful around medications for the treatment of cold and flu, which is very frustrating as we're in the midst of cold and flu season. Some of those medications are really not recommended. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the medical consequences of substances. So please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and I have been all over the place talking about the medical consequences of not just the disease of addiction, but some of the substances that people use and the medical problems, personal problems that they can develop from that, and also some medical problems that you can get into from taking medications, even as directed, that can cause downstream problems. And as you said, David, often people aren't very quick to notice a side effect from a medication uh, or directly relate it. We know that with some of the um, antidepressant medications, particularly the category of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or the SSRIs, those can have some issues on um, 
sexual side effects, mm-hmm. uh, difficulty having an orgasm, difficulty with desire, and that doesn't happen the day after you start your medication. It can often be weeks and months later, and sometimes it's not something that the individual or their partner has put together as being a problem related to their medication, and so they begin to question themselves and each other and look for a relationship problem when it's not a relationship problem. It's a side effect of medication that's now interfering with their ability to have intimacy in the way they'd like to. So there's all kinds of problems. As much as medication can save and help us, we also need to be um, educated consumers and take a look at what is this going to do for me? Doctors should be going over those things with you. So there are lots of complications, um, but there are some direct complications of some of the substances that people misuse. I think alcohol and tobacco are most clearly defined. Mm-hmm. Most people are pretty familiar with those uh, substances. And with alcohol, we've talked about the effects on the liver, on the brain, the increased risk of different types of cancers. Um, with the, with nicotine, we're aware of the cancers, the cardiovascular problems, the lung-related injuries and um, illnesses, all of these kinds of effects. But other substances as well can have um, significant problems. The increase in people having hyperemesis syndrome related to high-octane marijuana. So many people think, oh, I'm going to use marijuana and it'll stop me from being sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's probably true. But um, at high-dose marijuana, like people are able to access these days, people are developing what we call intractable vomiting, meaning they can't stop throwing up. They are throwing up repeatedly, consistently. It doesn't respond to traditional medications to stop vomiting. Mm -hmm. People will end up very dehydrated, end up in the emergency room, often have to be hospitalized. And it's taken doctors a period of time to relate it back to the, this is a a direct side effect of this high-dose marijuana that people are smoking or eating. It's something that we used to see only in long-term marijuana smokers. Right. Um, people who had been smoking for 20, 30 years. Daily. All daily. Day. And they would have the experience of it would make them sick, and then they would they would have this vomiting, and they would not be able to smoke for a while, and things would get better. And because it was a gradual thing, they would start to realize, hey, I have to change. I have to quit smoking. And they'd go through that process. Nowadays, it's happening so much faster that that connection isn't being made. And the problem is, is that, again, most of the medications that you might be given to stop vomiting, like Zofran or other um, prescription medications, don't work. Mm. What works in these settings is they have to throw you in a very hot shower. And being in a very hot shower for a period of time will stop the vomiting. 
They were sometimes putting... And then not use marijuana. And then not use marijuana, please. <laughs> um, but that, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to describe how they figured that correlation out. But uh, but the idea being the that sometimes there are very marked and significant physical problems created by the substance they're using. And it can can create significant medical bills. So we haven't spent much time around cocaine. And we should. Uh, a couple of the things that, that cocaine can do that don't get much press is that um, because cocaine hits your brain so fast and has such an amazing release of dopamine that it can actually burn out a person's ability to produce dopamine. Um so it can leave them with chronic depression right. and inability to feel happiness. Um, and what people are beginning to refer to as an old brain, where people in their 30s have a brain that's resembling um, a, someone in their late 50s in terms of the amount of gray matter in there right. as a direct result of the cocaine use. They're also having, um, um, I'm totally blanking on this. So they're having the aging brain from right. the cocaine use. And that's coming from the um, restriction, the constriction of blood vessels. So one of the ways that we use cocaine medically is to, as a topical pain reliever, but also it stops bleeding. So it's sometimes, not so much now, but in the past has been using, used in ear, nose, and throat procedures because your face and your nose bleed a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it causes the constriction. Um, of the blood vessels stops the bleeding and provides pain relief. But if you think about your brain, it's got a lot of little tiny blood vessels in there that are getting constricted. And so it is causing direct damage to the brain and the brain are actually getting smaller and the cognitive impact is pretty profound. And, and part of why I think it's good that we're going there towards the end of the show is that there really is more of a resurgence going on with crystal meth and cocaine. They're, they're filling the markets and people are reporting their, that it's, it's all over the place again. And we've talked about this being, uh, the second part of our prescription drug epidemic because many of our patients who come in seeking treatment for cocaine or methamphetamine had started with a diagnosis of adult attention deficit disorder and they started getting stimulants from their physician then as they began to escalate their dose of the stimulants they began to seek other doctors to write for them now they're having to go doctor shopping just like the um, patients were doing for the opioids They're visiting multiple doctors, going to multiple pharmacies, paying out-of-pocket for their prescriptions. Eventually, that gets too time-consuming and expensive, and they end up finding a drug dealer who helps them find cocaine or methamphetamine. And we see that's not always. Sometimes they show up before that when Mm -hmm. they're just using massive amounts of prescription stimulants, but... Uh, many of them are ending up coming into treatment because of cocaine and methamphetamine. So the other one that my brain blinked out on with cocaine that a lot of people have difficulties in recovery is that suddenly they will gain a lot of weight in recovery. Um, And part of what they're recognizing is the cocaine 
because it has such an effect on the on the metabolism, mm-hmm. creates what they're calling um, metabolism dysregulation syndrome, where even with years of recovery, they cannot get their metabolism back online to do what it's supposed to do. Right. And because the cocaine disrupted the metabolism in the reverse order, caused them to lose weight, become very thin, not eat, not be, um, not sleep, uh, they lost a, a lot more than their usual body weight. And then when they stop using, they usually, to your point, gain more than their usual body weight. But it's hard for them then to be able to get back to their usual body weight and it, it creates all kinds of metabolic problems and they really are going to have to see a specialist they're not going to be able to just go on a diet and get back to their body weight at this point because of the damage that's been done by the cocaine um, and it's I know at the Atlanta Healing Center you do a lot of blood work to look at the endocrine system right. and the, the way things are being processed because the damage is addressable but not going to be just addressable through diet we hope that if people stop using drugs and alcohol, that um, some of these systems will normalize. Our experience is showing us that most of the time there has to be a medical intervention in order to help people get back to more normal thyroid function, more normal adrenal function, more normal function of the testes or the ovaries of the brain, a lot of these things are not just going to normalize, unfortunately, with abstinence. Um, I wish it worked that way. I wish we could reassure people and say, you're going to feel a lot better. But Because abstinence is important. It is. And there's a lot of support for abstinence, but you don't have to be abstinent and gain an extensive amount of weight. So we hope that um, today has been helpful. We really do appreciate our listeners, and we wish you a safe, healthy week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week on Detailing Addiction. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.